Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Well, what we get to experience week in and week out is not normal. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not normal to have baptisms every week. We, tr- we literally try to have baptisms once a month for logistics sake, and we can't. <laughs> we can't for time. Like, we, we try. It's a great problem to have. We've got... We have four more in the 1045, and we have like 10 next week, and it's just, it's amazing to see what God is doing here, and you get to be a part of that church. So you probably hear us say this a lot around here. You heard Jared just say it, that our mission here is to saturate the world with the good news by making disciples. And by the way, that's not uh, our mission here as a church, although it is. That is the mission of the church, right? Like from the beginning, that is the Big C Church's mission is to make disciples. Go and make disciples. Pastor Brian's been leading us in a series um, on our strategies to help us accomplish this mission. And two weeks ago, we talked about belonging to the family of God. Last week, we talked about becoming a mature uh, disciple of Christ. Like we desire people to grow in their faith and not stay uh, where they were when they were converted. Uh, And ultimately, those two lead us to where we get to camp out today, and that is build the kingdom of God. And we're already getting to witness that firsthand here, and it's just amazing. We try to go to great extents to show that we are a kingdom-minded church, right? Like uh, Pastor Jared just mentioned it about Pastor Brian being at River Bend today, but what a lot of us know and what some of us may not know is Pastor Jared's been there pretty much exclusively for months and months preaching and leading their team while they don't have a pastor, and that is the heart of our church, Of course, we want to take care of what's happening here in these four walls, but we also care about the global and community-wide church because the further we can stretch, the more people we can reach. So that is the heartbeat of this church, and that's what we're going to get to talk a little bit about today. And for brevity's sake, hopefully, hopefully for brevity's sake, uh, I'm going to try to narrow this topic of building the kingdom down to one specific thing, right? Because there's a lot of aspects that go into building the kingdom of God, but I'm going to try to pinpoint one today that I think uh, that we may be, not just as Chestnut Mountain Church, uh, but as the church all across America, the one thing that I think we may be the worst at as it pertains to building the kingdom and that is the sharing of our faith. 
in a poll conducted in 2021, just to jump straight in, I read this this week, and it absolutely, it changed the trajectory of this message, and it absolutely wrecked me. In the people surveyed, they were all unchurched Americans, right? All unchurched Americans, there was about 5,000 of them. Only 29%, or roughly three out of 10, unchurched Americans said that a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one anything regarding their faith. 29%, for, for perspective in this room, uh, if, you, if you're a visual person like me, that would be this section. Out of the rest of the room, this section has ever had someone of the Christian faith share with them one-on-one about what they believe. And that was staggering to me. And it convicted me. And so here we go. This is what we're talking about today. It's especially disturbing considering... Jesus' last command to his disciples in Matthew 28, if you've been around here long, you've heard it. Uh, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the last command that Jesus gave his disciples. And thank goodness they took this command seriously because newsflash, we are the ends of the earth, right? Like the gospel didn't originate here. Thank goodness they took this command seriously or none of us currently would be sitting in this room. And so now (laughs) it is our job to carry that same command everywhere we go. And so what I want to help, help us do today is maybe ask the question, why, why is that? Why are our priorities different than God's when it comes to sharing our faith? I hope it's helpful for us today. Let me, let me pray before we jump in. God, I first and foremost have been guilty of being apathetic in this area. I thank you for your Holy Spirit's convictions, and I pray that you would stir us all up to be witnesses for you. That is our job as we leave here today. And so would you do it by the power of your Spirit? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to go. I'm going to try to keep it brief today. I know that like, everybody's kind of leaving after services today, both service to go do service projects, and it's amazing. So for the, for the sake of that, we're going to try to go. Okay, everybody all good with that? Number one, three possible reasons why I think that we are not prioritizing the sharing of our faith. Number one is fear. Fear. It can be fear of failure, uh, fear of not knowing what to say, right? Fear of inadequacy, uh, fear of what my family members are going to think or what my best friend at school is going to think if I like kind of confront them about it. Like if we're honest, I think a lot of us in here have probably felt all of these emotions before somewhere along our faith journey, this, this fear of the unknown, and if we were to stop and examine what we actually are afraid of today, 
I think we would probably discover that more times than not, our fear is a little bit irrational. Take a look at this video. Mel, just step down. <laughs> no! It, I'm scared. Nyla, Nyla, move, baby. Mel, you can step down. Yes, you can. Well, it's okay to be scared, but you just got to do it. Someone give me a big stool. You just got to do it. You say one, two, three, step. Ready? One, two, three, go. Mel. You can do it. Just step down. It's too scared. It's not. It's okay. It. It may. It, you may think it's scary, but it's not. You can do it. Well, if, hey, look at me. Look over at me. I'm slipping. What? You're slipping? Yeah. Well, just step down, baby. I can't. All you have to do is take one step backwards and you'll be on the stool. No way, Jose. <laughs> Mel, you can do this. No, I'm No, it's a long time ago. She's not still up there. This went on. This this went on for a long time, though. I mean, I cut it for the sake of today, but it's about three or four minutes of that. I mean, no way, Jose. She said. <laughs> I think this is sometimes how God is looking at us, right? As we journey along in our Christian faith, I'm sitting there watching my daughter and she's petrified to take a step down when she had just gotten up there and she's asking for a stool and there's a stool literally six inches under her feet. Like if she would just step back, she would be on the ground but she can't see it. She doesn't know what's behind her. She, her, it's, it's, her. Her fear has frozen her. Rational or not, and she was gonna stay up there. I had to eventually go get her. I had to go pick her up. She never, she never took a step. And unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of the Church of America is today. Me included. We're frozen by the unknown or what's next. And if we just had the perspective of the Father, we could see that we have nothing to fear. But don't be discouraged today. This is a new problem, okay? This isn't new. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. I want to point our attention to Luke chapter 22 today. And we're going to look at the example of the disciple Peter, okay? Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. How about this header here? Peter disowns Jesus. How would you like to be Peter just described? I know this isn't the original text, you know, with the headers and everything, but how would you like to be Peter? You got a header in the Bible that says, I disowned Jesus. 
It's not good. Like, you don't want to be Peter in this situation. Here we go, verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away. This is right after the arrest of Jesus, okay? They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. And he said, man, I am not. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is Peter, someone who we would consider today as one of the heroes of the faith, right? Like I could use a little bit of Peter in my life. We see him, he denies Jesus. He's walked with the person of Jesus, right? Like he's, he's spent all this time with him and the second something comes against him, he cowers in fear. The next time, the very next time, we're gonna skip ahead a little bit, Peter had every reason to trust Jesus. He had walked with him. He had seen everything that he had done. But he was so afraid of the authorities and what might happen to him that he denied him to man. And the very next time we see Peter, if you want to skip ahead to Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, all right, picking up in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Skipping ahead to verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. <laughs> These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. As opposed to not at night, like if it was not at night, I could understand, you know, like what's the, why is he saying it's only nine in the morning? I mean, give him a break. Right, like Peter's standing up in front of, at that, at that day, Pentecost, like people came from all over, leaders and, uh, um, what's the word, ambassadors from all across all nations would come and celebrate this festival together. Craziness is happening. The Holy Spirit is revealing himself in a new way. Peter stands up and says, don't worry, they're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. And then he begins to preach the first sermon of the church as we know it, and 3,000 people got saved and baptized on that day. This is around 54 days from the time Peter denied him three times before man to standing up in front of thousands of people and, and preaching the first sermon in church history. So what in the world happened to Peter in less than two months? 
That's what we got to tap into, right? Well, what happened to Peter to take him from walking with Jesus but being so scared to deny him? And then less than two months later, he's standing up in the temple and proclaiming the word of God and thousands are being saved and baptized. Well, if you flip back a page to chapter one, we see what happened. And this is the whole point of the day. Spoiler alert. Acts chapter one, verse four. This is before Jesus ascended into heaven. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Great question. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. This one thing is what changed everything for Peter. He was saved. Like, you know, he followed Jesus, but now he has the power of the Holy Spirit living and breathing in him. And it is there solely for the purpose of making him a witness wherever he goes. This is the point of today. Giving us the power to be his witnesses is the entire point, right? The Holy Spirit does bring gifts to the life of a believer. Uh, he does bring comfort. He does bring conviction. He is the one that initiates salvation, right? He does all of these things. However, the end goal of the Holy Spirit is to give us power through all of those things to be his witnesses wherever we go. That is the point. That's the end goal. John Piper says it like this. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is directly connected with the finishing of the Great Commission by reaching the ends of the earth. You will receive my spirit. You will have extraordinary power and you will be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but not just to Judea, not just to Samaria, but you're going to finish it to the ends of the earth by his power. And it isn't finished yet. And therefore the promise is not withdrawn. So the same power, that fell on Peter and all the disciples in that day to give them power to go be witnesses. It's the same power that lives in you and lives in me if you are in Christ. And it is in you to be witnesses wherever you go. And you may say, well, dude, listen, I'm not the missionary guy. I'm not the preacher. Listen, I've said it. Look at me. You know, I'm not the preacher guy. Here I am, right? Like, say that a few times, see how that works out for you. I'm not the preacher guy. I'm just the accountant at the firm, right? Like, I'm just the engineer who draws up the bridges and makes it all happen, yada, yada. I'm just the first grade teacher who's just waiting for retirement. Can I get an amen, education, people? I'm just on the basketball team, or I'm not on the basketball team even. I didn't make it. I'm the water boy, right? Like, this is the preacher's job. No, 
No, every single believer born again in Jesus has the power to be his witnesses everywhere they go. Another author said this, virtually nothing could be less dangerous to the agenda of the enemy than believers who are stifled by fear when it comes to sharing their faith. Virtually nothing could be less. We have to be witnesses for his name's sake. So how do we combat this fear? Like it's, it's there. I think we've all probably experienced this at some point. How do we combat it? By the power of the Holy Spirit and by the truth of the word of God. For example, fear not, for I am with you. Do, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you, Isaiah 41. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, 2 Timothy 1. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He will not leave you or forsake you, Deuteronomy 31. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ne never let them be afraid, John 14. Cast your burden on to me, on to the Lord, and he will sustain you, Psalm 55. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, Psalm 91. We could go on and on and on, but we have every reason to not be afraid. Because the same power that was given to them that got us here now is the same power that it's in you and me if you're in Jesus. So follower of Jesus, your purpose in life is to be his witnesses. That's it. The means to which that happens, it's debatable. But your purpose is to be his witnesses. Here's the second reason I think that we as followers of Jesus kind of push off this idea of sharing our faith being his witnesses. And that, listen, this is a gut punch. Just bear with me. It's just the sin of indifference. And what I mean by this is we, me included, have a tendency to grow apathetic towards the gospel. And if we're honest, the person of Jesus altogether. Like we get so busy with life and we get busy doing the church thing, sadly, and we lose interest if we're not careful on the entire reason we're existing in the first place, which is to be his witnesses. We are plan A for the building of the kingdom. Like, like you and me, like we are plan A. There is no plan B. Like there's no, Jesus isn't coming back again to uh, pick new disciples, right? And take them with them and then recommission them and then they'll go out and do the thing. No, like we are those people now. And he didn't go, by the way, he didn't go from seminary to seminary and to church to church and pick the most anointed people. Uh, he didn't pick the ones who graduated with the highest grade uh, from Liberty University or wherever it may be. Like, he didn't do that. He searched and found people who were willing 
to take up their cross and follow him. Ordinary people like you and me who he then gives power to be his witnesses everywhere they go. As soon as we put the emphasis on anything other, hear this, anything other than Christ and him crucified and risen for the forgiveness of our sins, we have the potential to quench the power of the spirit that wants to move. That has to be our central focus. And we see this beginning to happen in Scripture, right? Like at the church of Colossae. Uh, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1. On all accounts, this church was pretty healthy, right? Like they were growing. They had a pretty good budget, you know. Like they were able to do some things. Like they had a good missions program. Uh, I don't know what kind of staff they had, uh, but they were doing a lot of good deeds. They were faithful. They were loving. They had great worship services. Like it was kind of a place that you would enjoy to come. And it could seem a little bit like something like this place, right? Like it, it's decent. You know, it's a good church. It's a good church. But we see this header again in, in chapter two. I know header's not a part of the original text. I get it. But freedom from human regulations through life with Christ. Give me some of that, please. We're gonna pick up chapter two, verse six. This is what's happening. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord to continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So he's giving them a warning like, hey, you guys are doing awesome things, but don't let it, don't, don't let it be just about the philosophies and the traditions and the gathering and the doing this and doing that, like all those things are great, but if they're empty of the power of the gospel, there's no use. Be warned. Don't get drawn in to just doing them to do them. And listen, I, I need some grace. All right, please give me some grace. Because I, listen, I know. I've said this before. I have. But there's this, I'm not condemning you if you have, all right? I'm condemning myself if I do that. There's this phrase we like to throw around in church world. And it goes a little something like this. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Listen, I'm not judging you if you've said it. Like, I get it. I do. I get what you're trying to say. I've said it. I knew what I was trying to say. But can I just say that saying that is the very definition of indifference towards the power of the gospel. When we say that, we inadvertently, I know, inadvertently, we're saying that there's something in us, in our deeds, in our actions, in our character, in our personalities, where we can be around people and somehow magically we can bring them back to life. And only the power of the gospel can do that. 
Yes, we are going to do build days. We're doing one today. Uh, we're going to continue to do block parties. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to do the food pantry thing. We're going to do all of these things, right? Because we believe this is what God is calling us to do. But please, please hear me. If the farthest we go is serving food or handing out clothes or doing yard work, if that's the end of it, then we've done nothing different than any of the social clubs around trying to make this world a better place. We've gone out and tried to save this world by our own actions, and that is never, ever going to happen. Only the, power of gospel, only the power of the gospel has the power to save. The entire purpose of today, as we leave, go serve our community, or whether it was last week or this week or whenever you go, whether you go to work on Monday, the entire point is the sharing of the gospel in hopes that people will repent and believe. And listen, if it's not, if it's not our motive here, when we send out, if that's not the end goal, then it would be better we not do it because it's confusing to the lost and dying world because even the people who don't believe do that. The difference is the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be his witnesses everywhere we go. And listen, I, listen. I, it sounds like I'm being brutal. I, for one, have been the most guilty of this. This has absolutely wrecked me this week. Like I've kept my mouth shut so many times around people who do not believe because I'm just hoping that my character and, you know, my personality and all these things can somehow point to Jesus. And how arrogant of me to think that. They have no chance of being born again and giving a new heart if it has anything to do with me or you. It has to be by the power of the Spirit working in you. And I'm not saying, you know, we just go around slamming Jesus down everybody's throat, right? Like, don't be a Bible thumper. Go smack somebody's head with the Bible today. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. There's a right and a wrong way to do it, okay? Jesus spent time with people in their mess, right? I'm not saying just show up, throw down, and leave. Like, Jesus spent time with the people right where they were. Enough time to where they knew that he actually cared about them and loved them but he always gave them an opportunity for new life. And we should do the same. So how do we fight this spiritual indifference? We remind ourselves who Jesus is and we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. This is what Paul did to the church in Colossae. If you flip back to chapter one, we're gonna read chapter, or sorry, verse 15. Starting in verse 15, this is what he's reminding the church. He's like, hey, don't be deceived by this. Pay attention to this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body the church. He is the head. 
Not our missions efforts, not our worship services, not our small groups. Christ is the head. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace by the, by the blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and you were his enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which Paul I have become a servant. And by the way, by which you all and me have become a servant. For this purpose. To be his witnesses. Wherever we go. And I'm going to close with this. The third, the last thing. The last reason where I can reconcile that we have a hard time sharing our faith. It's just the sin of unrepentance. It's unbelief. Like maybe you're in the room today and you have a hard time sharing your faith because you don't actually have a faith of your own. Like I've had to examine this in my life this week like, God, do I really believe what you said? If I did, why would I have a, such a hard time doing this? Maybe that's you today. And I would venture to say it's more of the Church of America than we would like to think. We don't share our faith because we don't know the author of our faith. And we don't, we aren't aware of what we've been saved from. Like we don't remind ourselves what we've been saved from because if we did, we wouldn't want anybody to not know. Maybe you've never been made alive, given a new heart. Like your life was miraculously changed by the grace and the mercy of Jesus. The offer for salvation, hear me, is available for you today. Like God wants to know you. He does know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to send his Holy Spirit into your life, create in you a totally new heart, breathe you to life. Like you were dead and now you're alive and set you on a course to be his witnesses wherever you go and ultimately on course for an eternity in heaven with him. He wants to do that. And so that offer is available for you today if that's you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in, new, is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. 
Praise God. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God's making his appeal through us to repent and believe. Be made new today. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God's. Repent of your sins today and believe that Jesus is the son of God who came and exchanged his life for yours so that you can be saved. It's the most miraculous thing that could happen this side of heaven. Romans 10 chapter nine says this, if you confess with your mouth, that's you today. This is your next step. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Shame, guilt, past, present, future paid for, done, can be forgotten about and forgiven for you. So call on his name today. The unbeliever, your, your, un, your eternity is at stake. And you can call on his name today. He's here. And he has the power and the desire to save you. And to the believer, let's, let's, the challenge for us is let's narrow our focus in our church stuff, right? In our work stuff, in our build day stuff. Let's narrow our focus on the person and the work of Jesus. Hold fast to the gospel for it alone is the power of God to save. You and I, born-again believer, are his witnesses. That's the job description. So go and be his witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. He will be with you. It's a promise. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. 
Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.